Good morning. So my name is Dan Hardy, and I'm one of the pastors here at Windsor Community Church. Welcome for those of you that are new with us. I see some new faces. This is Windsor Community Church. We've been here for a little over six years, and our mission is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we talked about the last two weeks, is who we are and what our mission is. And today we're going to talk about our priorities and what our priorities are as believers. You know, I've talked to a few of you before the service and a few of you during the week, and there's a bunch of you that are tired. There's things going on, whether it be losing loved ones, whether it be sickness. And I just want to encourage you that you're in the right place. And if you know the Lord Jesus, you know the right person. He is the great counselor. He is the healer. He is the one that can carry your burdens, no matter what those burdens are. And he is the giver of joy and hope. Amen. But i got to tell you, you know, when I get up here, those of you that don't know me, you're going to get to know me a little bit better, but you just get me. You get the good, you get the bad, and you get the ugly. And you get a man that's in process, that is just desiring to learn what it looks like day by day to submit to and abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nancy and I had an interesting week. We had a few issues and I tell you that not to feel sorry for me or to feel sorry for her. Excuse me. I mean, that's, that's a Freudian slip. But please feel sorry for her. But just to acknowledge that on this earth, there's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. And we are in this flesh suit, and we're prone to sin. But I also want to say that even though God's grace is sufficient, and that all of our sins pass present and future are covered by the blood of Christ. It's not a license to continue sinning. This message this week really spoke to me, and I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I was up to about 2 in the morning, and it wasn't necessarily a last-minute deal. I just couldn't hear from the Lord. But I want to tell you that God wants our full attention. I'm not talking about here this morning. I'm talking about in life. He wants our full attention. And I ask you this morning, what is there that's keeping you from complete, intimate fellowship with the creator of the universe 24-7? I put some booklets back there. It's called The Tyranny of the Urgent. I referred to it a couple weeks ago. I referred to the term a couple weeks ago. I just learned about the booklet in the last week. And it's a neat little read. It's a great devotion for your family. And it just talks about the Lord and, and how he walked slowly through life. And that everything he did was purposeful. In fact, he left this earth, from many viewpoints, with the job not being finished. I mean, he came to save that which was lost. But there were still people lined up that needed healing. There were still people there that needed the gospel. But he knew that even though that people had demands on him, that it was time for him to fulfill the Father's will. And for us as believers sometimes, we just feel like we've got to do it all. And we focus on the urgent and the crisis rather than what's most important. As I said, the last two weeks, we talked about our mission. Last week, we focused on Matthew 28, and it so clearly says that our mission as believers is to what? Is to make disciples. There's a lot of other good stuff, but our primary mission is to make disciples. That's why we're here on earth. However, if we go about making disciples in the flesh without communion and intimacy with the Lord on a daily basis, we're going to make a mess of things. So the name of the message today is called Our Priorities. 
Our mission is to make disciples, but there are priorities that we need to take care of before we make disciples. And our first two core values are, number one is intimacy with God. And the second is encountering God in His Word. And those two core values at Windsor Community Church are also, I believe, God's values for us. It's our priority. It's our starting point before we can have the strength and the power to go out and make disciples. Several years ago at a North American seminary, 50 students were planning on going overseas to the mission field for the summer. They were interviewed for their suitability, these 50 students, and three of them, 6%, when asked if they had a regular quiet time, said no. And you know, we assume, you all assume, I assume, that pastors and missionaries are just in the Word and spending intimate time with the Lord day in and day out. And i got to tell you, many, many, and I dare say most, pastors and people that are in full-time service are not doing that. And I'm here to tell you that this message here is for me. This message today is for me. And I just pray that if there's something there for you too, that the Lord would speak to you. What I'm desiring is that none of my service, I would not, I would not move forward in service at all until I am in an intimate communion and fellowship with the Lord. And it's a discipline. And I'm very excited about the scripture that the Lord gave me. And I'm going back and forth, and we'll come to the point here in a minute. At Winter Community Church, we teach expositionally through God's Word, verse by verse. We're going through the book of 2 Corinthians right now. We finished chapter 5. We finished that on December 23rd. And we'll be starting up the first Sunday in February in chapter 6. So we're taking a four-week pause or break. And i got to tell you, topical preaching, when you, when you grab a topic whether it be intimacy with God, whether that be encountering God in His Word, whether it be marriage, whether it be sickness, whether it be hope. It's a tough message to preach, particularly four weeks in a row. And the temptation is, or the danger is, is that, I, okay, Lord, I've got my agenda. i got the topic that I'm going to teach on, and I'm just going to grab some verses. I'm going to make them fit. You know what I'm talking about? But if you're teaching through the word verse by verse, if we're going through 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, the word is right there. And we just need to discern from the Lord what the word is saying and what he wants to say to us. So I had a real hard time. In fact, it took me six hours yesterday just to understand. I was just wrestling with the Lord and what scriptures. I mean, what, Lord, I don't want to try to make this fit. And I'm so excited about the scripture that he gave me and the scripture that he's going to give all of us. And excuse my ranting and my rabbit trails, I was talking to a dear brother of mine, and I was just saying, you know, bro, based on this week, I don't want to be up here. I don't want to be up here. I'm not feeling adequate. I'm feeling a hypocrite. And you know what he said to me? His dear brother. He says, Dan, he says, first of all, you are a hypocrite. Thank you very much. And then he said, secondly, it doesn't matter if you're not living up to what's in God's word. It's God's word. And it's not your opinion. It's not you telling people how to live. It's God telling them what to live. And that gave me so much freedom. So I want to be a mouthpiece today for the Lord. And I'm just praying that I don't get in the way. Because I believe that the greatest need of Christians today in the chaotic world is to know God more deeply, personally, and intimately. We're walking around with a lot of Bible knowledge. We go to Bible teaching church. But I really feel at the end of the day that we need more intimacy and more depth with our Savior. Let's pray. God, I 
Lord, I need you. We all need you. And we thank you that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. We thank you for your precious, life-saving, life-changing word. God, I thank you that, that your Holy Spirit gives us the want to, the desire to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. And that's where the blessing comes from, God, is from being doers. And Lord, I pray that as we look at the passage in Luke 10 and the example of Mary and Martha and also the example of your humility and gentleness, God, that it would spur us on, it would spur us on to intimacy, to a desire to want to know you, God, not just know of you, but to know you in a deep, intimate, life-changing way. And that our lives would just ooze with the love of Jesus day in and day out. It wouldn't be manufactured. We'd not be about religiosity, but we'd be about loving and living for the Savior. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our text today is Luke 10, verses 38 42. And what's happening here is Jesus and his disciples are traveling from Jerusalem to Bethany. It's about a two-mile walk. They're going around Mount Olivet. And apparently... The household of Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, were expecting him. And it starts out like this in verse 38. Now as they, Jesus and his disciples, were traveling along, he entered a certain village, Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who was listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered to her and said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. But only a few things are necessary. Really, Martha, only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, Martha... Welcome Jesus. Martha was probably a lady that was gifted in hospitality and service. And many of you ladies have studied the lives of Mary and Martha. For some reason, I think very few of us guys have. And I gotta tell you, this passage has impacted me like not many passages have over the last several years. Martha welcomed him. She was happy. She was excited. She wanted to serve him. Wouldn't you? Mary's response to Jesus, listening to the Lord's words, seated at his feet, and seated literally means alongside, close. I had this picture, these photographs of when the kids were little, that we would read them a book. They just would nestle up into your shoulder, or they'd sit at your feet and put their head on your leg. You get that picture? That's the picture here of Mary sitting at Christ's feet. She was listening to his words. Listening in a continual sense. Just a side note, how can you tell when somebody is completely surrendered to the Lord? They hear the word and they do it. They hear the word and they do it. It's not somebody that hears the word and continually asks for accountability and continually prays. Those are important. Those are foundational. But where this intersects my life is there's just a few things in my life, and I'm wondering if this relates to you too, where I just want to change. You know what I'm talking about? I just want to change. It's kind of the same stuff, you know? And, there, and there's a disconnect somewhere. And I would submit to you the disconnect for me and the disconnect for you 
is true intimacy and fellowship with the Lord. And Mary understood it. Mary understood it. She had a desire to hear the word of God and to fellowship with him closely. She grasped the opportunity. You know, there's great blessing when we not only hear the word of God, but when we do it, when we abide in it. John 15 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. If you abide in me, Jesus says, and if my words abide in you, ask whatever you want and it'll be done. The issue isn't God not answering prayers. The issue is, is, is our not abiding in him and letting his words ritually dwell and abide in us. It's not just reading the Bible. It's not just memorizing scripture. It's not just meditating on scripture. And it's not just listening to good preaching and teaching on the radio or from the pulpit. It means that we actively seek the words of Jesus, the living words that we understand that the words on this page, the words in this Bible are not just good words. It's the words of the living God of the universe. As if he was sitting right there or he was standing right up here. These are his words speaking to us. This is encountering God in his word. This is intimate fellowship with the Lord when we recognize that it is the living God that we're talking with, that we're living for. The words of Jesus abide in us, not like memorizing axioms in geometry. Okay, And oftentimes, I have found myself doing that. We're going to talk about some disciplines and how I can help you and how I can help myself by God's grace establish some of these disciplines. I've had a habit over the years that I think I actually got from my wife Nancy or maybe from Tom Harkis of putting scripture on a three by five card. I put it on my dashboard in the car, the mirror at home. I run with it. But sometimes it's just rote memorization. And I'm not really taking it to heart that it's the living word of God. When the words of Jesus abide in us, we hear them and respond to them as living words from the mouth of the living God. It says in verse 40 that Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. So the picture is, is that Jesus comes to the house. Martha's excited. She's excited. She starts running frantically around the house, making sure things are ready. Mary just hunkers in next to Jesus to listen. What was Martha distracted with? It says Martha was distracted. She was distracted with her preparations. But what Martha forgot about is the pre and preparations. We have some indication that they knew that Jesus was coming. Yet she left a lot of the work till the last minute. Martha is doing what she's gifted to do. Hospitality is a good thing. And some of you, some of us, some of you are gifted in hospitality. You know, we can also be distracted from the word. Is there ever times in your quiet time when your mind wanders? I know there is a mind. You know, I'm just, I'm just sitting down, you know, I've got, I've got the schedule ahead of me and I'm sitting down with the word, sitting in my little place with the lamp and the, and the fireplace going and I'm, and I'm, I'm opening the word and I'm, I'm praying and, and my, my mind goes to the appointment that I have at 11 o'clock. My mind goes to our financial situation. Our mind goes to the way that I, I sinned against Nancy or Joey the night before. And we're going to talk about this in a moment because my mind, when, I, when I'm in that posture, I'm not focused on the living God. I'm really just checking the box. And it is good to establish disciplines, but not just for the sake of checking the box. Martha was distracted. She was distracted from what was best. Distracted literally means to be pulled away, to be dragged away. 
She was fussing around with the food. She was doing whatever she needed to do to prepare the meal, to get the mat or the bed or wherever Jesus slept ready for him to sleep. What was she distracted from? As we just talked about, she was distracted from fellowship, community, and intimacy with the living God. Now, if Martha could be distracted with the living God of the universe in her living room, don't you think there's a possibility that that we all might be distracted as well from time to time? There's nothing wrong with hospitality. It's a command. I got to tell you, once your priorities are messed up, your attitude goes as well. Martha was ticked. She was ticked. She said, Lord, don't you care? Send her in here. She was mad. She lost the joy of the service. And we are so prone to this, particularly in leadership, particularly in in service. It's so easy to get an attitude of, you know, there's work to do. What are they doing in their praying? She became frustrated. She became mad. She came to Jesus and said to him, Lord, could you just hold it a minute? The Lord didn't come to be fed. He didn't even come to sleep. He came to teach the truth. She came up to Jesus and she said, Lord, do you not care? It's kind of unbelievable, really. Do you not care, Lord? She lost it. It's like saying, well, are you just going to stand there, Jesus, and just keep talking about life-changing, soul-transforming, sin-shattering, heavenly blessing-producing, joy-giving peace, bringing glorious truth, and ignore the fact that the table isn't set? I know you know all the secrets of time and eternity. I know you know all the needs to be known about life and death, righteousness and iniquity, and all the glories of heaven. But do you not know that the bread is burning? And Mary's just sitting around on her tail doing nothing? She was worried about the bread that feeds the body. Mary was concerned about the living bread, the true bread of life. When we realize, brothers and sisters, that we're being distracted from the Lord, and I believe that this is the number one problem in the church in America today, and that's busyness. It's being distracted from our calling. When we realize we're being distracted away from the Lord, our natural and sinful response is to complain. We complain because it's easier than dealing with the fact that we're too busy to listen to the Lord. You know what Jesus said? The Lord answered. He said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're bothered. But only a few things are necessary. Really only one thing, Martha. For Mary over here has chosen a good thing. And I think really the the better translation is the best thing. Because it's really a matter of what's good and what's best, right? Because serving is good. But at that moment, it was a matter of choosing between what was good and what was best. Jesus could have said, whoa, Martha, back off. But he didn't. He was gracious. He said, Martha, you're worried. You're bothered. And i got to ask you, brothers and sisters, what are you worried about? And what are you bothered about that keeps you from the intimacy with the Lord that He has designed us to have? This life's busy. I know me. I I think about finances sometimes 24-7. You know, I think about just things that are turning the urgent. I probably focus on my sin way too much. And sometimes don't do anything about it. But we're bothered about so many things. But only a few things are necessary, Jesus says. But really only one. 
And that's encountering the living God in His Word and intimacy with God. Those are what's important. And they're really interchangeable. For us, it really should be one core value. Because you can't encounter the living God in His Word without intimacy. And you're never going to have intimacy with the Lord without encountering Him in His Word. Does that make sense? Only a few things are necessary, Martha. Really only one. King David said, I just seek your face. I just want to see your beauty. And that's my prayer. God, I want to seek your face. You'll take care of all the details. I don't need to, I don't need to worry about it. God tells us over and over again in his word to listen to him and get to know him by encountering him in his word and devoting time to just listen and respond. The tyranny of the urgent controls us, brothers and sisters in America, like it controlled Martha. And it doesn't mean that they're bad things. We need to work, don't we? We need to clean our houses. We need to cook. We need to eat. We need to take our kids to school. Sports aren't a bad thing. All that's good. In fact, many of it is blessings. You know, I not only need to, but I want to spend devoted time face-to-face with my wife, Nancy. I want to spend time with my kids face-to-face, one-on-one. I need to provide for my family. There's things that need to happen. But none of those are more important. In fact, every one of those I'm going to come up empty on if I'm not living in fellowship in an intimate way with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The tyranny of the urgent ruins our attitudes. It whacks away at our relationships. It makes us get frustrated. Nothing is better than encountering the Lord in His Word and intimate fellowship with Him. Nothing is more important than spending time in the divine truth, the life-saving Word of God, listening, learning, and drawing near. We've talked about service. Service is important. How about you, brothers and sisters? Now, before you condemn Martha, or even condemn me, what is it that keeps you from spending time with the Lord? Intimate time. Busy life, no doubt. Lots of kids. Lots of responsibilities. What is it that keeps you from spending uninterrupted time with the Lord? Can you work this into your schedule? What lame priority occupies us in the mornings? What lame priority occupies us in the mornings and on Sunday morning? You know, sure, there's things that come up. Absolutely, there's things that come up. But when they come up day in and day out, and we charge into our day empty, with our gas tank empty, we're going to make a mess of things. And just a side note, I said this once before, but as I look at, at blind spots in my life, you know, just, there's just certain things that we're all prone to. You know, for me, it's anger and it's a sharp tongue. That's what it is for me. And, you know, I'm broken over that. I mean, God brings me to a point where I'm just, I'm just broken over it. And it's Him that brings me. But I continue doing it over and over again. And I would submit to you that there's, there's something in your life. It might be alcohol. It might be pornography. It might be not loving your wife as Christ loved the church and laid his life down for her. It might be the frustration of singleness. It could be a lot of different things. There's one solution. And the solution is, is filling your tank up and immersing yourself in the life-changing Word of God in complete emptiness, brokenness, fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you've got a habit or a sin that you want to change, prayer is important. It is, it is critical. But I can have people praying for me 24-7. But if I'm not willing to plug into the life source that gives me the power to change, I'm not going to change. Does that make sense? You might be wondering how a pastor could possibly draw away from the Lord by serving Him. Believe me, it happens. It happens very subtly. So subtly that the distractions are all that I can see in front of me. You know, when I preach on Sunday, it's 20 to 30 hours of time in the Word. And every day, I talk to people about Christ. I open my Bible. I am probably more Christ-like around believers than, than non-believers. In many different circumstances, I have the opportunity to talk to people about spiritual things. And you wonder, how could a pastor, how could a missionary be distracted from what's most important? The answer is a simple one, but it's one that I overlook easily and I think we all do. Yeah, I spend a lot of time in the Word and with His people, but that doesn't mean I'm spending a great deal of time with Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about? You can be in the Word. And I fear that the church today is being run by a lot of men that spend a lot of time preparing for service, but not much time knowing Jesus. And I want to be about that. And I want you to be about that. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you are like me? How many of you like me when push comes to shove and life gets just busy The time with the Lord is often pushed aside. I've memorized scripture. I've got it in my heart. I'm serving the Lord. I've got a busy day that turns into a busy week, that turns into a busy month, that turns into a busy year. I work in a a Christian church. I work in a Christian school. I work for a Christian company. My wife, my husband, my parents are Christians. You know, I'm getting it. I'm just kind of getting it through osmosis. If you're like me, sometimes you feel guilty because you realize somewhere in the back of your mind that you're setting the Lord aside in order to take care of business, in order to handle the day-to-day responsibilities of life. Yet what the Lord would consider a distraction, we consider a priority or an obligation. It's just all a matter of calendars. Nancy and I have been talking about this a lot lately. It's kind of the tail wagging the dog in our family. And and our family's not that big anymore. We've got one child. You know, it seems just as busy as it was when there was three, well, we got three children, one in the house. It seems just as busy as it was when we had three in the house. We have obligations that are so compelling that in our heart we tell the Lord that He's just going to have to wait. I know you're there, God. Just stay there. And I just, is anybody a fan of Randy Alcorn? Anybody read his books? What's the book in China? Safely Home. There's a great picture that I think his name's Quan. In China, in their family, they've, they've got a chair at the dinner table. They've got a chair at the dinner table just to remind them that Jesus is, is there with them. And you know, it might sound corny, but some of us need some reminders like that. You know, wherever it is that you like to spend time with the Lord, wherever it is, maybe what you got to do is just set up a chair that's right across from where you sit. Just a reminder 
that the living God of the universe is right there with you. And he wants an intimate relationship with you. And if you're here this morning and you want to know more about what I'm talking about, that you don't know this Jesus, you've got cares, you've got burdens, you've got anxieties, and you're just muscling through life trying to be a good person. I just want to tell you, it is hopeless and it's going to end in destruction. And that Jesus, God in the flesh, came to this earth as a spotless lamb and took yours and my sin to the cross. He said, Dan, I completely forgive you. And this cross was a bridge to the Father. And if there's anybody here, and I don't, I don't, I don't know who it could be, if there's anybody here that is not surrendered, that is not acknowledged that you're a sinner, and that you've separated yourself from God, that He's there with open arms. He's just asking you to believe in Him, to trust Him, and to make a U-turn from your sin and follow Him. And yeah, even once we put our faith and trust in Jesus, yeah, He's given us everything we need, but at times it's a struggle. I don't know why it's such a struggle. I think it's just a struggle because we're living in a busy society. It'd almost be comical if it weren't true. We can rush around so much to set the table for others. We can rush around so much to serve in the name of the Lord. We can then forget to set a place for Him. We can rush and do this. You know, I can spend time preparing for the message. I can spend time doing devotions with my family at night. I can spend time counseling somebody. I can spend time discipling somebody. But I forget that it's Him that powers me. And I can do nothing without fellowship with Christ. But I can do all things with Christ Jesus who what? Who strengthens me. Worship should take precedence in our lives over service. Worship and devotion should take precedence over service. Churches today are so busy doing stuff. Families are so busy doing stuff. And I know I'm going to beat this horse till it's dead. Before we can fulfill the Great Commission and go make disciples of others, we must be first be disciples of Jesus Christ. And I am in name, I am a disciple, I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by His grace and His strength, I would lay my life down now. But I don't always live like it. He wants us to live like disciples. Our greatest joy, our first priority in life must be spending time at the Lord's feet, quietly awaiting His tender, loving instruction. Sometimes it's a matter of what's good and what's best. This is what Paul says. He says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's Acts 20. I command you to God and to the word of his grace. Paul says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand. And it's just not knowing his word, you know, and just, and just batting it around. It's, it's hiding his word in our heart so that it really brings us to a, an, an understanding of the living God. You know, sometimes I think we can just recite, we can just recite scripture and it's powerful. Well, there's an aspect to that. But God wants us to encounter Him as a living God of the Word. Peter says, like newborn babes, we're to long for the pure milk of the Word, to long for it. 
Picture that little baby back there. That baby longs for the pure milk 24-7, right? 24-7. And she yawns and says, you're right. I want to pray like the psalmist. It says in Psalm 63, it says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My, my soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. On my bed, O oh Lord, I will remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. God, my soul clings to you. Psalm 63. Brothers and sisters, in a little while here, we're going to go into a time of communion, of remembering Christ's finished work on the cross. And I can't think of a better day to do it because it's exactly what we're talking about. It's communion with the Lord. It's communion with the Lord. But first, I want to give you eight practical ways to have intimate fellowship with the Lord. Eight practical ways in the busyness of life How can we stop this merry-go-round? How can we stop this treadmill of life and focus on what's most important, not just what's good? First is remind. Think of a way to remind yourself repeatedly of the reasons that meditating on Scripture is good for you. We're not going to do something unless we know it's good for us. You know, especially people that are are like me. I've been told what to do all my life. I ain't going to do it. Unless I know what the benefit is for me. Now, God commands us to be in His Word. But the new covenant, God will give us the want to that agrees with the have to. Yeah, God's Word says that we have to be in the Word. God says we have to be in His Word. But just pray that He would give you the want to. So remind yourself of the reasons that meditating on Scripture is good for you. In John fifteen eleven, it says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy might be full. Do you want fullness of joy? I sure do. Spend time in His Word. Letting the words of Jesus abide in you will make your joy full. A couple of other ways to remind yourself of the reasons that spending time in the Word is good for you is take Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, they are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey. And the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them thy servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. So remind yourselves of the benefit of spending time in the Word and spending time in intimate fellowship with God. Second, plan it out. Schedule it. It's the culture we live in. What happens during the week, uh, men and women, if we don't schedule our appointments? We forget about them. They don't become a priority. Plan a place and time when you will read the Bible and fellowship with the Lord each day. Now, some of you are going to say that you don't want to be legalistic. If I plan, it's legalistic. It's not legalistic. It's prudent. It's wise. Now, we can take it to legalism when something that that God's Spirit prompts us to do that causes us to miss time with Him that morning. 
And we forego his prompting because by golly, you know, come hell or high water, I'm going to spend time in the Word. Put it on the calendar as an appointment. It is a meeting with a person just as much as any other appointment you might make. And get some kind of picture in your area where you can remind you that it's the living God of the universe that you're fellowshipping with. D.A. Carson states, Much praying is not done because we do not plan to pray. We do not drift into spiritual life. We will not grow in prayer unless we plan to pray. That means self-consciously setting aside time to do nothing but pray. Third practical way to increase your intimacy and time with the Lord. Decide ahead of time how are you going to read the Bible. What are you going to do? This is huge. This is even huge in my own life. Do you ever flounder? I mean, you sit down and and you just go, okay, Habakkuk? It's like, have a plan. And that's why, ladies, I've heard from so many of you that, that some of your richest times with the Lord are when you're involved in a women's study. You know, some of my richest times are when I'm preaching because I've got a plan every day. And, and I've got to tell you, I was hoping to have a resource for you, maybe a, a list of things to do. If, if you need a plan, if you are just having a hard time knowing what it looks like to spend time with the Lord, that's okay and that's honest. Knowing where to read, how to read, what to read, write it on the back of the welcome card and just say, help me, and put it in the giving box on your way out. And we'll help. A couple of ideas for you. Read and reread scriptures that are being taught on Sunday morning. You know, God's Spirit is prompting us to teach through certain passages on Sunday. He has led us to teach through 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians. I would submit to you that is a great place to start. If we're teaching through 2 Corinthians on Sunday, spend your time in 2 Corinthians during your quiet time. You're going to grow like a weed. You're going to get it on Sunday morning, and then you're going to encounter the living God in it seven days a week, six days a week, however often you do it. There's also reading programs. If you've not read through the Bible in one year yet, it's, it's something you might want to try. I've got to tell you, I've never made it. <laughs> I've read through the Bible, but it hasn't been through a, a consistent plan like that because I just, I just feel like that when it tells me to read nine chapters at a time, it's like, oh my goodness, nine chapters at a time. That's a lot to read. And then when you're slow and you're ADD like me, you've got to get a dictionary to figure out the words and all that kind of stuff. But there are programs. There's ways to do this. I go to Bible Superstore. Go to the, the Bible study section. There's some great studies in there. You know, I think sometimes as pastors, we think that just by osmosis that people are going to know how to encounter the living God in His Word. And most of us haven't been trained. Fourth is memorize it. Memorize God's Word. Hide it in your heart. I started a discipline years ago that I got away from, and that's putting Scripture on 3 by 5 cards. And it's particularly effective for administering God's Word to whatever you're dealing with. Love your wife, sin, temptation, joy in singleness, ladies submitting to your husbands, whatever it is, there's Scripture, and you should have a concordance. We've got concordances in the library. We've got them upstairs. If you need one, we'll buy one for you. It's a great way to do a word search. And find Scripture that speaks to what it is you're dealing with. When you memorize the Word of God, it's not just there in the crisis when you need it. It's there again and again, shaping your thinking and your will. Ask yourself, of all the spiritually minded people you know, who seem to walk most consistently with God and be in tune with His Spirit, aren't they all oozing with Scripture? 
Aren't they using the scripture? They are the guys I know and the ladies I know. So we want to be people that are about not sharing opinions, not administering opinions, but administering God's word. I had a brother come up to me before the service that had a loss in his family. And he basically said in, in different words, he said, you know, God met me last night. I was in his word and he gave me this scripture in Psalms. And there's nothing that could administer there's no sad, there's no words that could minister to our hurts and our pain like God's word. And I just felt like just bear hugging that guy. Memorizing scripture is one of the surest routes to going deep with God and having the power in prayer. Brothers and sisters, let's be a church that's all about not just knowing, but living God's word. Fifth practical way is retreat. We all can't do this. But it'd be good if, we, if you could take a periodic retreat, one night away, an afternoon from work, and saturate yourself in the Bible until you feel like you are lifted into the presence of the Lord. You know, if you're dealing with grief, if you're dealing with pain, sickness, if you feel distant from the Lord, take a retreat. I used to go to this Catholic monastery thing in Sedalia. I don't remember what it was called. It's like two days of quiet. I mean, these guys just walking around and just kind of nodding at each other and taking food. And it's, but it was really good for my soul because I just spent time with nobody, but just spending time with the Lord and in His Word. There's a prayer center in Colorado Springs. They have hotel rooms there that are really cheap. Consider getting away. As couples, as individuals, we need to retreat. Jesus showed us this time and time again. He got away to be quiet with the Father. And we all have X amount of vacation time. Some have two weeks, some have five weeks. Take a half day of that vacation once a year and do a retreat. A missionary by the name of Wesley Duell says that sometimes he takes retreats and seeks to quiet his heart completely until he senses only the presence and will of God. To do that, he says, I have at times read as many as 50 chapters from God's word before I was completely alone with God. It's hard to get away and to just totally be with God. But on some of those occasions, I received such unexpected guidance that my life has been greatly benefited. So number five is retreat. Number six is journal. I've never journaled. I've never journaled. And quite frankly, I don't know many guys that have. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's a gifting thing. My wife Nancy and my daughter Natalie have gifted for years. And I'm going to start journaling. I'm going to start journaling. When I'm sitting at a, in a message, it doesn't matter who's teaching or whatever, I'm a note taker. If I read a book, I'm a note taker. If I'm listening to the living God and reading God's word, why wouldn't I be journaling? So I'm going to give that a shot. Keep a journal and write out your thoughts as you meditate on scripture. Writing is a way of seeing for some of us. That is deeper and sharper than, than most other ways. We see more when we write than when we read. Most of us do. You know, don't be legalistic about it. You don't need to use a journal every day, but have something next next to your Bible and write in it. And what a great way, by the way, to look back and see what the Lord taught you. Number seven is read. Read great Christian writers who know God deeply and saturate their writing with the Bible and take you deep into its spirit. You know, sometimes as believers, we feel guilty if we read anything else besides this. Well, we listen to sermons, don't we? I mean, some of the greatest teachers on the planet have written books that are accessible to you and I. Some of the classics like Spurgeon or Murray. Some of the modern day classics written by guys like John Piper, John MacArthur, Johnny Erickson, Tata. 
They're like reading the Bible through the mind and heart of great knowers and lovers of God. Get this. Suppose you read slowly like I do. About the same speed as you speak. 200 words a minute. If you read 15 minutes a day for one year, just 15 minutes, say it's before supper, after supper, before bed, and you multiply those 200 words a minute, you get a million ninety-five thousand words. The average book has 360 words per page. Bottom line, you'd read about 15 books a year, 15 minutes a day. Not a bad place to start. The point is, the words of Jesus will abide in you more deeply and more powerfully if you give yourself to some serious readings of great books that are saturated with Scripture. The last one, keep the living person of Jesus before you as you read the Bible. That will keep reminding you that this is not a religious exercise, this is not a religious exercise, this is not a religious exercise. I'm not checking the box, I'm not checking the box. Jesus, I want to know you in a more intimate way. Would you speak to me? I want to live for you. Would you speak to me? You see, our prayers, brothers and sisters, are more effective or most effective when they come out of God's Word. So God's Word is a huge part of it. Would you close your Bibles? We're going to enter into a time of communion. The reason that we're here today is because of God's grace. That Jesus willingly laid his life down for you and I. It says in God's word that he became sin on our behalf. He took our sin to the cross. And communion, we're remembering what he did for us. That he took the bread with his disciples in the upper room. And on the last day, he said, this is my body. Do it in remembrance of me. This is not Jesus' body. This is not his blood. We're to do this in memory of him. And and Jesus took the cup of the wine and he said, this is my blood. Do this in memory of me. And communion should remind us of Christ's finished work on the cross and his unconditional love for us. That there's nothing that you and I have done There's nothing that we'll ever do that will separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. And I would just ask you to come up here and uh, take the elements. I'm going to ask you just to take them on your own. If you want to do it as a husband and wife and you want to pray together, feel free. If you want to stand here and pray, if you want to go back to your seats, just pray. Whatever, Whatever God's put on your heart. He also talks about not taking it in an unworthy manner. If there's anybody you need to do business with, If you need to do business with the Lord, if there's things that he's put on your heart that you've sinned that you've not confessed, just confess it. And just know that he forgives you. And he just wants to meet you where you're at. Let me pray. God, I praise you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you became sin on our behalf, that you took all of our transgressions and nailed them to the cross. You took the certificate of debt, the debt that we owed God the Father, and it was ripped up. And you said, forgiven, paid, paid in full. And Lord, what a concept. We did nothing to deserve this. We did nothing to earn it. That you willingly laid your life down for us. And you beckoned us to come. We praise you and we worship you.